Hey, um, it's a great privilege to be with you this evening, particularly if you're visiting Canberra Gardens. Uh, very special welcome to you. Do you want me to stand behind the speakers a little bit? Is that binging for you? How's that? Is that better? Cool. Um, it's a great joy to have you here with us, uh, particularly if you're someone who's uh, on the journey of exploring who God is. Um, we pray that you'll continue to encounter him and that he will continue to reveal himself to you. Uh, if you're someone who hasn't been to a church service for a while and maybe someone invited you tonight, uh, we pray that uh, maybe you would consider this being a home for you. Uh, and if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your home. We pray that you'll be encouraged. Uh, so we as a, a um, young adults team, or particularly uh, the leadership team that heads up this ministry, we're thinking and praying about what kind of um, talks or sermons we want to focus on over the next, um, for a little while. And we were thinking about unpacking what would it look like to talk about people whose lives, um, who have encountered God, who have encountered God in a deep way, in a real way, and their lives have been changed. And so this is why we're unpacking some of these uh, lives, and particularly we've talked about this being gospel-shaped. Hopefully that will come out uh, as I share tonight. Um, but what that really means is that if the good news of Jesus is real, it then it just completely... Um, changes everything. And this evening we've already heard that. Uh, someone sharing, Lexi sharing about her story. Her life uh, was completely turned around as she encountered Jesus and his good news. Uh, this evening we're going to look at the life of someone, uh, someone who's probably one of the few women who actually uh, got th- uh, their own book named after them. Uh, that is uh, in uh, the book of Ruth. So if you have a Bible, if you could turn to Ruth, if you don't have a uh, Bible, that's okay. You can find it very easily in your phone app. Uh, if you're someone who's got a physical Bible, uh, just um, basically turn to 1 Samuel and then go backwards. And if you don't know where 1 Samuel is, what I just said to you is not helpful at all. But uh, hopefully you'll find it. So you should be able to look it up. Cool. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll dive into it. Lord Jesus, I thank you that your good news is real, it's relevant, it's powerful. I pray that you would speak to us tonight through your word, through the life of Ruth. And I pray for myself, Lord, that my words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable to you. Please help me to preach for the power and energy that you provide through your spirit. Nothing else. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, normally what we do, uh, and that might happen over the, our series, is but we kind of go over a particular chapter or a verse and we unpack it a little bit. Today, we're going to cover the whole book of Ruth in 30 minutes or 31 minutes is what I timed that. So you can, if you're a timer, you can see how I go with that. Uh, We're going to tour the whole book of Ruth by highlighting specific verses uh, that will be up here on the screen for you to follow. So to give you a bit of a a kind of a bit of a background to understand Ruth is actually part of a bigger story. That is the story of the Bible. So Ruth is not just separated. It's interconnected with a bunch of different things that are going on in that time. So if you look at Ruth chapter 1 and verses 1 to 6, we get a sense of where Ruth is. And the story of Ruth is taking place in the history of particularly of a group of people called the people of Israel. This is Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judea, 
went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Imelech, the name of his wife, Naomi, the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephratites, that's their citizenship, where they come from the land that's Bethlehem, from Bethlehem in Judea. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Mahalon and Chilon died, so that the women, woman was left without her two sons and her husband. And she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Uh, what's going on in the background in the story of uh, Israel as a nation? It's not a good time. Uh, uh, actually, if you come to the 1030 service after our series in Ephesians, we're actually going to unpack the book of Judges. This is what's going on. This is what it says in verse 1. In the days of the judges, where the judges ruled. Uh, so this nation of Israel, they were called to be under the loving rule and command of God. And God said, if you do these rules, if you follow mine, things will go well. If you don't, things will go really bad for you. And so what you have going on in the background is Israel as a nation are constantly, as the book of Judges in particular says, they were basically doing whatever they wanted, however they pleased. And in that time, there was no king ruling, but there were these judges. So this is going on in the background. This is what's happening, the nation of Israel, and this is where we have the story of Ruth come. And in this story, we have two main characters, I think, that are coming up. Yes, it's named after Ruth, but we have the story of Naomi and Ruth really unpacked through the book of Ruth. Naomi is a follower of God, a God worshipper. She is someone who has experienced deep grief. The husband that she's married to decides to leave uh, their home because there's a famine. And they decide to leave and go live in Moab. Now, for us, when we read something like this, it might go, oh yeah, what's the big deal? But see, God had made specific rules and commands, and the Moabites or Moab were enemies of Israel. If you want to use our modern-day context, it's like saying someone who's currently living in modern-day Israel decides to go across the border to Palestine and live in that city and country. It was neither talked about. You just don't do that. It's against the rules. But the father, that is her husband, decides to leave because there's a famine now, when the writer in the Old Testament things talks about this kind of language, it's for those of us who are listening in, and particularly in that time, to remind them when there's famine and that kind of stuff going, this is actually God's judgment being placed on a nation. God has placed judgment on Israel. That's why there's this famine. And you can read this in Judges if you want to, in other places in the Old Testament. But in this moment, we have a personal account of someone's life. What's going on is this couple decide to leave. And there are consequences of them leaving Bethlehem. The husband dies. Naomi's husband dies. And so he's dead. The sons are meant to look after her, but they decide to marry some Moabite women. And in the story of the Bible, that is not okay. They're marrying someone, not besides just the Moabites, 
these Moabites who would have worshipped other gods. And so what the sons are doing is against the rules, against the law. The one son marries Ruth. The other one marries Orpah, not Oprah. I've been practicing that all week. I was making sure I didn't get said Oprah on the way here. Anyway. But at the story of it is, it's death. Death has arrived. There is no life. And this woman, Naomi, is broken. Not only that, she has now no heirs for her. So if you see in verse 6, she's working in the fields and she hears something. She hears that the Lord has visited his people and given them food. She is now moved. She's remembering. And this wonderful little statement that the writer does is to say, hey, God's kindness is always starting to be displayed. He's constantly involved in a group of people that constantly reject him. And that is the wonderful story of the Bible. So Naomi says she decides to go. She decides to go back. And before she does, she has an interaction with her two daughter-in-laws. So in Ruth chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Ruth is told, just go. The other daughter-in-law is told, just go. And what we have in this passage of Ruth is a key word, and if you kind of unpack Ruth all, this word keeps on coming over and over and over again. It says, Ruth says, uh, sorry, Naomi says to Ruth and the daughter-in-laws, may the Lord deal kindly with you. That word in the original language, so the Bible of the Old Testament was written mainly in Hebrew, and the Bible of the New Testament was mainly in Greek. There's a word that they use in there called chesed. Chesed is a word to say the same kind of devotion. It's a relational kind of language. It's to talk about a covenant. It's a relationship. Chesed ultimately means quite a lot of deep relational language. It's talking about loyal love. It's talking about faithfulness. So what she's saying to these daughters, I pray that God will show you his chesed, loyal love to you. Just as you girls have shown to me. Now, I don't know if ever in your whole life you've ever felt moments where, whether if you believe in God or not, or maybe if you believe in God, that God is actually silent. And you've heard Lexi's testimony tonight. Moments of wondering, God, are you there? Maybe it feels like God is very silent. Or maybe if you push it a little bit further, it feels that God is very unkind. But see, the story of Ruth is a reminder to you and I, God's kindness will come. And God's kindness is still involved in the darkest of seasons of life. He's always kind. This very character in essence. I mean, here is a woman, in many ways in those days, is submitting to her husband who says, let's go. She follows in some sense. She might have known she ought not to because there would be consequences for this, for these actions. And there are consequences for his actions. But in the midst of that, she's experienced something. She experienced the kindness of her daughter-in-laws. 
and she prays to them and prays for them that they too will experience kindness, but a much deeper kindness, a said kindness. Friends, you and I are actually people who experience God's kindness every day. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Did you know the very breath that you're having right now is a sign of God's kindness to you? But see, God shows his kindness even through other people. And sometimes that kindness is to show or point to a greater kindness. The Bible's language is called a redemptive kindness. And so Naomi says to her daughter-in-law, go. But one daughter-in-law turns around and says this in Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Uh, When we read some of these verses and we look at some of these verses, we kind of lose the weight of it. But there's something powerful and tremendous going on in these words of Ruth to her mother-in-law. Here is Ruth. She's a Moabite woman. She's someone who would have been seen as an unclean woman, ethnically. She's someone who has no Jewish heritage at all. She's a woman who would have been brought up in the worship of the gods of the Moabites. And then she's married into this sort of Jewish family. And you know what? Things haven't actually gone well for her. I don't know if you picked up the story. Things go really bad. According to the story, she's been married for a while. She yet does not have a child. Not only that, she's lost her husband. And here's a woman who's been told by her mother-in-law, you can start again. You can start again. Go back. Start again. You have an opportunity to. But Ruth responds and says, no, I will go with you. Not only that, your people... The people of Israel now have become my people. They're my family. Your God, the God that you worship, the God that you've said to show said loving kindness to me will become my God. In other words, she's rejecting. She's pushing back, turning back from all the gods that she worshipped to worship the true God. And she actually makes a vow to say, may the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. In many sense, what we have in this wonderful picture, if you want to use modern language, Ruth has just become a follower of God. Ruth has just become a follower of God. Now, I'm not sure if you picked it yet. We've only been a little bit in Ruth. And Cam mentioned this earlier. You actually don't hear the voice of God in the book of Ruth. In a lot of the Old Testament passages, you'll have God saying something to someone. Or someone will say, thus say the Lord. But in this moment, in the story of the root, his voice is not heard, but his redeeming fingerprints are all throughout the whole story. His redeeming fingerprints are all throughout the whole stories. 
And that's for you and I. Do you ever feel that God is silent? Do you ever wonder, man, I wonder if God is actually up to anything? Is he really doing anything? Is he actually involved in this person's life? Maybe you're in a season right now, more than ever, that it feels like God is very silent. Maybe you're wondering and asking, where is he? Friends, the story of Ruth is a reminder to you and I, he's never silent. Our great God is constantly and continuously at work. And sometimes it's in our very circumstances we we can't see it because our circumstances block our view. But his fingerprints are all over your life and my life. See, as the story continues in Ruth, the story of Ruth continues and Ruth goes and they go into Bethlehem. They they go to this area and and Ruth decides she needs to go to work to provide for her mother-in-law. The husband's not there. They don't have men providing for them. So she goes to the fields. And the Bible language in Ruth says, so she happens to rock up to this field that belonged to a guy by the name of Boaz. Now, if you want to use Aussie language, Boaz is a good bloke. He's a good stand-up guy. As you read Ruth, you'll start to see this. And so, uh, Ruth heads to this field. Boaz notices. Boaz asks some questions about Ruth. And so, Boaz understands who she is. So, Boaz decides to be kind to her. And says, hey, you can have some water. You can have food. I've given instructions for you to be protected. And so Ruth has had a good day. And she heads home and tells Naomi about her day. And Naomi's response is quite interesting in Ruth chapter 2, verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed, so talking about Boaz, by the Lord, whose kindness, remember that word, has, now, has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours. One of our redeemers. Naomi is very excited. She's recognizing something. She's come to realize it's the Lord. The Lord bless him. This is someone, this is good news, Ruth. This is good news for us. Because the Lord's kindness has been shown. Because he has neither forsaken the living or the dead. So the Lord's kindness has, has said, kindness has been shown to you and I. The dead, she's talking actually about someone that is her, the one who is facing sorrow. She is dead. But then there is someone who is living, that is Ruth. God has been kind through this Boaz. She makes a statement, says, this man is one of our redeemers. What's she talking about? What's a redeemer? Well, in the context of this passage, particularly in the history, the Redeemer was known also as someone who's a kingsman redeemer. This was someone who would be marrying the brother's widow to, to ensure that the lineage continues, the, the, the lineage of the family continues. There were also people who would pay for things. They would pay for the, to, for the ransom. They may even get involved to cause, uh, ensure there's revenge taken out on somebody. So it's a significant person in the, sti- in the story of Ruth, but also in the story of Israel. It was someone who had a significant role. And Naomi is overwhelmed. But see, what's really going on in the background, though, is what we're seeing is there is a God who's intimately displaying 
his redeeming story, his redeeming kindness, both to Naomi and Ruth. Here is a woman who describes herself earlier on in, this, in Ruth, that her name is Mara, that she's become bitter, there is no joy in her. And here is a woman by the name of Ruth who is an outsider, an unclean person. And here is God who is involved in redeeming and showing his kindness. He is the one who places her in the field. He is the one who is involved in the background. He is the one who is setting this up. Friends, for those of us who know God, for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus, have you ever pondered and considered this? The God in His grace and mercy and His kindness placed you in situations, in relationships with people, in certain homes, to ultimately continually show His redeeming kindness to you and draw you to Himself and to reveal Himself to you. Whether it was in seasons of hardship or great joy. The Lord is always in the background working away. And the Lord is constantly drawing people to himself because he's redeeming in his kindness. God is always in the background. His fingerprints are everywhere. Uh, In a lifetime uh, well before knowing Jesus or I, I turned my back from the Lord, I still remember to this day that I had gone to, I was involved in the nightclub industry in Melbourne and I went into a nightclub to party away and it was a night that I was involved in organising. It was in a gay nightclub and I remember standing on the dance floor, partying away with all my friends and hanging out and uh, excited because, you know, I'm making money and uh, all that kind of stuff and right in the middle of the dance floor, a song comes in the darkness And the words go like this. He is the joy. He is the light. He is the joy. He is the light. If you know anything about New York house music, they have what's called gospel roots. What they do is they grab gospel music, African-American music, and put a dance beat to it. I'm in a dark nightclub dancing with men and women and I know straight away in that moment I have this thought that comes to me I am here I am here my response I've got to leave the nightclub (laughs) now I've got to tell you I didn't turn around and went I'll follow Jesus now no I knew exactly what was going on God is in the background God is constantly drawing people to himself He's never silent, and his fingerprints are everywhere. I mean, this past week, I got a chance to meet with someone who comes to our church, and I asked him the question, what is it that really kind of clicked it for you? And he said, you know what, Shabu? Every time my wife would tell me about God, I'd say, stuff it, I don't want to listen to you, and I'd walk away. Then something would just draw me back. And then I'd be spending time with her, with her, and she was always kind to me. She was loving to me. And I would just, it just annoy me. But I was drawn back to it. Then I'd come to this, your church stuff and everyone was really nice to me. They were always kind to me. And I just thought, this is annoying me. And I would try to push it away. But God kept on drawing him back. The Lord is always at work. And so as the story continues, 
We have this moment where Naomi and Ruth uh, um, experience kindness through Boaz. And as the good mother-in-law that she is, she decides a plan. And the plan is to get them married. So she has, hatches a plan. She even um, goes to great lengths to, to make it happen. And this is a wonderful picture in, the, in Ruth chapter 3. And there's a lot in there. But it's actually quite a countercultural. Ultimately what happens in the account is that Ruth ends up proposing to Boaz. You know what Boaz's response is? Like every man would. In Ruth chapter 3 verse 10 he says, And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord my daughter. You've made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone out after young men, whether poor or rich. Uh, for Boaz, uh, he's heard about Ruth's kindness to Naomi. He knows about how kind she's been. And now he himself is experiencing kindness. Ruth displays to this man a kindness that he is ultimately really saying, if you want to use Aussie language, me? Are you for real? Me? Are you sure? You're not going for the younger blokes. You're going for me. And I totally get how Boaz feels. Because I look at my wife almost every week and I think to myself, how the heck did that happen? <laughs> it is by God's grace. Someone said amen? Yeah, thank you. I was waiting for that. But see, what's happening here in this moment is Boaz himself is experiencing kindness through Ruth. And this is God's gracious kindness working in the background. There's God's gracious kindness drawing Naomi back to himself, then drawing Ruth to himself, then drawing Ruth and Boaz together to show his ultimate kindness, that he's actively working in the background because his fingerprints are everywhere. Friends, I think sometimes in our Western culture in particular, we assume a lot. We don't feel like we're in want or need. Or sometimes we think we're in want or need of things that aren't very important. My kids just assume money comes out of this machine and anyone can press buttons and the money will come out. Sometimes I think, you know, the pay comes into my account, I don't even think much about it. And sometimes we might assume that God only shows in certain events, that God is only involved in some special events like on Sunday or Sunday nights, only on spiritual things. Well, at Easter or at Christmas. See, what we're seeing in the story of Ruth is that God is intimately involved, ultimately redeeming people and drawing people to himself. Always achieving his ultimate plan. So if you feel that God is very silent in your life right now, my bet is he's actually not silent. Because the God of, that, of God that we worship is the God who is the kind Redeemer. And as the story continues, as we wrap up in Ruth chapter 4, they have a very short engagement. So if you read Ruth chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, it's up here. 
They have a very short engagement prior to this, these verses. Uh, there's some really significant um, deals going on. If you read how Boaz engages, because there's someone else, there's another redeemer who's got the rights to the land and also to this girl called Ruth. And Boaz steps in and, and says, oh, look, let's work out a deal. He, he does a really sneakingly good deal, by the way. Uh, and he works it out. And the way that they seal the deal is that they swap sandals, as you do. And I thought to myself, this would be the best way to get property. I would love to go to a real estate agent and walk up to him and say, hey, here's my shoe, give me your shoe, let's buy land. But that's not how it works. See, in the background, they do this. So Boaz is involved, he, he seals the deal, he does what is required of him, and they're married. Then you have these verses in Ruth 4, 13 to 17. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you is more than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Have you, did you pick what, who is the one who gave conception to Ruth? It is the Lord who gave her conception. It is the Lord. This is a woman who was previously married. All accounts, it seems that she would have been married for about 10 years, and yet she had not had any kids. The point here is the writer is trying to make a point that they are a group of people, whether if it's Naomi in particular, have rejected God, and God himself has drawn them back, and God has graciously provided for them. God has provided for them a home, a shelter, food, now a son. But this son who is now connected to the bigger story and the bigger purpose so the women of the village are celebrating. Uh, they say to Naomi, you are blessed. Bless the Lord. You know, Naomi, guess what? God actually has not left you. Not only that, he hasn't left you without a redeemer. You've been redeemed. You who named yourself Mara, bitter, now has been given life. And not only that, in your old age now, you have a daughter-in-law who loves you. And you know what? That's so much better than having an army of seven sons. In the biblical language, seven is talking about completion. It's like saying, you'd be completed if you had seven sons. They're saying, no, you've got a daughter who loves you, which is mu- a daughter-in-law which loves you, which is much better. And this son that is born to Ruth and Boaz and is, is the father of Jesse who is the father of David. Now, if you are in Old Testament writing, if you can imagine sitting in a, in a sort of around the fire and hearing someone telling this story about this Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, and you're going, who is this Moabite? Why is a Moabite involved in this? <gasps> I can't believe they got married. That's really bad. What's going on? Can, you can just imagine the storyline going to it. And towards the end, the hearer hears this family lineage and everything's like oh no way 
It would be like if you see our movies these days and the storyline changes. You're like, no way, what? Darth Vader is Luke's dad. That's blown my mind. But it all makes sense now. Now, that's in a bad way. (laughs) This is in a good way. See, what we have in front of us, friends, that God has placed the book of Ruth to you and I, that there is a God who is intimately, graciously pursuing, and in His kindness has actually provided us a better Redeemer. The one who would come to be the true restorer of life. The one who would come to be the nourisher of the deepest needs and longings you have. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 1, verses 5 to 6, are given the lineage of Jesus. It says, And Salmon, the father of Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And then in Matthew 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, And Elud, the father of Elazar, Elazar, the father of Mahan, and Mahan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. It's mind-blowing to consider here, she's not the only one, but here is a non-Jewish lady in the lineage of the true, most awesome and powerful Redeemer. God in his said love sends the true Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And not only that, Jesus is the true Redeemer who enters this world, enters this broken world that shows kindness to those who are on the outside and inside, And ultimately pays the debt that is owed by rescuing you and I so that we can be restored to him. So the story of Ruth is a reminder to you and I that there is a God who sends himself through his son Jesus, the true Kingsman Redeemer. The true Kingsman Redeemer. This means that if you know Jesus... A gospel-shaped life is that one says ultimately how I reject the things of this world to follow the true God, the God who has shown his love to me, his chesed love to me. And then now, you know what? If you are a follower of Jesus, he has sent you out to be his instrument of kindness to a broken world wherever he has placed you. This is the reminder through the story of Ruth. It's for us to pause and consider God's kindness and his fingerprints throughout our life, even tonight as we heard Lexi's story. That happens over and over again. This past week I met with a couple in our church who were going through a very hard time. And they constantly said to me, But Shabu, God did this, God did this, God did this. God's been involved in everything. It's been hard, but man, you should hear about this time and God did this. This fingerprints of God are in the midst of their darkness. And if you're someone who's exploring the story of God, I want you to know that God is drawing you to himself. And our prayer is that you will find true kindness, true love, true acceptance, and true redemption through this Jesus Christ. Because what the world offers you will not satisfy your deepest longings of your soul. 
can only be found in the one who left his heavenly home to come and die for you and I. So that you can live a life experiencing his kindness, not just the day that you give his life, your life to him, but every day. Because this is our great redeemer. This is our King Jesus. So this week, if you're a follower of Jesus, can I implore you, can I encourage you before the busy week starts, why don't you sit down and consider the way that Jesus has been involved in your life. You might have not actually even heard his voice. Look for his fingerprints. If you're a follower of Jesus, why don't you consider seeing yourself as an instrument of God's kindness in your workplace, at school, at uni, at home, so that others can experience the gracious kindness of Christ through you. Friends, Jesus is our true Redeemer, who is the one who gave himself, so we can know his said kindness, never-ending love every day. See, a gospel-shaped life is a life that has encountered the kindness of Jesus and because of that now lives a life shaped by the Redeemer. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the story of Ruth. God, we thank you that you are involved in the darkest of times and the greatest of joys, redeeming people to yourself and even those of us who are sitting here. For those of us who are exploring Please, convert our hearts. For those of us who know you, remind us that you're not silent. Even as we head to this week, in Jesus' name, amen.